Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Just have confidence in the fact that you can control how you answer a question, what you say, what examples or what story or what feelings you're trying to get across. And then this is hard to do, but just accept that, okay, I don't have control over how this is going to be perceived, but I know that in my heart, I've done a really good job. In her 20 years in the media industry, Stephanie Hunt has produced everything from interviews with the Dalai Lama and the Foo Fighters to a royal wedding and the Winter Olympics. Stephanie's called the shots and directed teams of journalists, producers and presenters during her time at Network 7, Al Jazeera, BBC and Storyful. She's led newsroom coverage of major global news stories like the storming of the US Capitol, presidential elections and natural disasters. In her current role as Storyful Senior Editor, Steph works daily with the world's major newsrooms, including The Washington Post, New York Times, NBC News and ABC. Steph clearly has such incredible media experience and to boot with that, she is an absolute ball of beautiful energy and I cannot wait to see where this conversation takes us. Hey, Steph Hunt. How fun to have you on the show. Welcome to the One Question Podcast. Thank you, Michelle. This is fun. So excited. I know, potty to another one. How um, fun to be on the other side of the mic for you. This is great. I get to drill you for a change. So, Steph, if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? For me, that we all get nervous and feel really yuck and weird when it comes to speaking in public or speaking on camera. So I've been a journo for 20 years. I've looked around the world with the most incredible women in particular who are just like amazing foreign correspondents and presenters. I've watched them in awe. I've thought they've had it all together. And as I've got older, I've realized that they get really nervous too. And that's okay. And there's ways around it. Oh, wow. So it's all about sort of speaking out and using your voice and and trying to curb those nerves. I love it. Well, I'm going to pick your brain. That's wonderful because exactly like you say, I'm really comfortable speaking. I'm really comfortable, you know, speaking in front of people in terms of an audience or a live kind of show or, you know, doing keynote speaking. But put me on the radio or live TV and I freak out. So what is it about those kind of mediums that tend to have people have a reaction? I guess some people just completely freak out about speaking totally, don't they? Yeah, totally. For me personally, as I said, I've been a journo for a long time. I've, I've been pretty confident, okay. I had two young babies, a bit of COVID installation being locked down, and my confidence just kind of went sideways. I had to do some talks for work, and I just found myself getting so worked up beforehand, so, so nervous. And I was like, right, I want to do a podcast. I know amazing women. I'm going to ask them to kind of like share their information. And it can be broken down into so many ways and I can I can run you through it. But essentially, it kind of comes down to one, doing the prep. Number two, looking after yourself. Number three, changing your mindset. And number four, just kind of riding, riding those nerves. So if you look at Mel Doyle, for example, Melissa Doyle, an, an amazing broadcast journalist. I worked with her at Sunrise for a long time and she's also a mentor and a really good mate. 
and she's done like you know nonstop live breaking news every single story she's she's covered it her number one thing is do the prep you know you wouldn't run a, a 200 meter race at the olympics without training beforehand so don't you know go to a live cross or jump on a radio interview without knowing what the hell you're going to say so you can either write notes you can do it word for word you can just go for a walk and have a think about what you want to say but just make sure you do the prep and then That'll give you that confidence. Zaina Hodder, who is an Emmy award-winning foreign correspondent. She works for Al Jazeera. She's on the front line in Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, just like the real freaking deal when it comes to being a foreign correspondent. And she just does nonstop live crosses around the world. Like it's, it is absolutely nuts. But she said to me when she had, when she won an Emmy award, she said to her boss, oh my God, like, do not make me get up there and do the acceptance speech. I cannot do the acceptance <laughs> speech. Oh, she made me laugh when she oh, said that. Funny. I was like, yeah, Zena, you're an weird. international, like you're in a, yeah. She goes, I know, Steph, but when I do the live crosses, for me to get over my nerves, I make it about something bigger than myself. I make it about being, you know, being of service, helping out. I'm being a voice for the voiceless. It's my job. So that's how she kind of got around it, you know, letting that ego go and just focusing on making it about something bigger than than yourself. Um, and then, I mean, Brene Brown, if you're a fan of Brene Brown, she talks about this as well, like being of service, being being generous. If you have to, she says the best speakers that she's heard, they're nervous or whatever, that they, they focus on being of service. So what can I offer? How can I connect? Um, how can I be generous and, and pass on my skills? So yeah, I find that really, really helpful. And then there's, I mean, it's so interesting when I, I want to either be a journo or a sports psychologist growing up. So I love sports psychology, performance psychology. And I spoke recently with Taria Pitt, who, I mean, she's Amazing incredible. Mm. Yeah. Like caught in a wildfire, ultra marathon. Doctors didn't expect her to live. She has just gone on to do incredible things. And she works a lot on, on, on mind, like reshaping mindset quietening that horrible inner critic she talks about brenda that really shitty voice inside she's got a name for her i love that when people yeah (laughs) like that nag you know that naggy voice going oh who are you to get up and speak on a stage or who wants to listen to your story anyway so she's really into tapping into that voice and then one of the first times she got up and spoke her dad went with her and she just kind of got up on stage this teria pitt and got really just got nervous and just kind of mumbled, forgot what she was going to say, <laughs> and then kind of ran off stage. Oh, no. And then her dad was driving her home. Yeah. And she's like, how was that, Dad? And he said, Taria, that was, that was pretty shit. You're going to have to be a lot better <laughs> than that <laughs> if you want to keep doing this. And she was like, oh, okay, thanks, Dad. You know, great pep talk. But, but she said that he was right. So from there, she worked on her story. She worked, got a voice coach. Back to that prep, back to mm. that mindset, and then was able to. I think it's to, interesting. You know, and the way I used to, you know, when I was an MD of a company, and so I used to speak in front of staff and stuff, like hundreds of staff. And so I'd go, like, thinking that if you're good at this, well, you just have to wing it. And then I read the book around, you know, Steve Jobs and how the prep that he used to do in terms of his speaking and his events and stuff. And I was like, this guy used to practice the whole entire speech over and over and over. And like, it, then it took that kind of power away. I was like, oh, wow. I mean, cause when you see him speak and you know, what we're used to, you know, the launches of products, he was amazing. Like it was a full fledged, crazy production. And so it took that away from me going, oh, okay, actually it is something you need to 
practice and it's it, there's no shame in that. I think that was the thing I used to think, well, I should be good enough and I should know my topics enough that I don't have to practice. But if it is a big keynote speech or it's, you know, really important message you're delivering to your staff or your team or anything, um, you know, to kind of run it through and practice it. And as you say, have those kind of key cheat cheat sheet notes, it makes a massive difference, right? Exactly. I was the same. I thought, oh, they just have the X factor. They don't even yeah. have to try. Yeah. I don't, I can't just get up and do that then. So that means I shouldn't even bother, but you're so right. They've done the prep. They know what, what they want to say. They know how they want to connect. It does really, really pay off. So what are the key tips for you then? So, I mean, obviously you're drawing, your podcast is called And We're Rolling with Stephanie Hunt, um, which is a fabulous podcast. I've listened to a few episodes of that. And um, you give some great, sort of obviously you're getting tips from other people. So what, if you think about what you've done in your kind of 20 plus years of being a journo, what are the things that you find the hardest? Like, do you find live crosses the hardest? Because there's obviously all the other tech things that can go wrong with that as well, which is always fun. Or, you know, is it like having a conversation or doing a speech in a family setting where it's all intimate and people that you know, because they're often quite nervous uh, things as well. A bit like It's the, funny, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like when you know people, sometimes it's, it's worse. I'm TV background. So live crosses, I get nervous, but it's more of an ego thing. If I can let that go, it's okay. I don't really worry about tech stuff. I don't. And so I when I'm, you say the ego thing, what do you mean by yeah. that? Yeah am I good enough? Like, who am I to, to be getting up and, and, and doing a cross? Or have I done enough prep? I feel like I've, you know, am I, I didn't sleep very well last night or I haven't done the work. And, got the bags oh, under my eyes. You know, the, yeah, all that, kind of, all that kind of stuff. Where I feel like for me, my best tips come around like doing the prep, but also a lot of self-care, like just making sure I have tried to have a good sleep or I've gone for a walk around the block. I've had a break outside. But the most important tip, I think, is just rolling with the nerves. So realizing that you can really channel that nervous energy and and just, you know, enjoy the ride. I know that, yeah, Alison Bell, who wrote The Letdown, amazing actress and producer and writer, really great Netflix ABC series all about uh, motherhood. So she's a really good theatre performer and she she talks about, about nerves a lot and she said that she would be standing on the side of the stage about to go on to perform at the Belvoir Theatre, about to throw up, about to vomit, just thinking, I cannot, like I can't do this. And she said she'd feel like this every night. She's like, Steph, what tips do I have you to give you? I feel like this every single night. But she said that she would always go on. She said, I'd always go on. I'd never let the nerves take over. And she'd always reflect back on the fact that nerves and excitement, they feel very, very similar and to ride that wave. I think probably the stuff that makes me most nervous, especially if you're being interviewed by journalists, so I'd love to sort of um, get your view of this, is if it is on a controversial topic or something that's, you know, maybe a bit personal. I mean, I've been interviewed with my sort of cancer story and stuff before, and I kind of always feel like they're trying to trip me up. So it's like a journo wants to get that hook or that, you know, sensationalist kind of, you know, comment that you make. And, you know, I'm so afraid of like I might have done the work, I'm, you know, all the things that you've talked about and I feel like I'm okay, but I can't control the questions that they're going to ask me in the moment and try. So, I mean, one, is that true or am I just being paranoid <laughs> like from a journalist aspect? And then what? how would you say to combat that for people that do get interviewed in that space and what's the kind of best advice? Well, number one, yeah, journos, I mean, we're looking for a story. We are looking for something. <laughs> we're looking for an interesting hook, an interesting way to tell the story. But number two, the most important thing is 
know what you are going to say. So you can't control the question. That's exactly right. But you are in complete control over what you say, how you answer. It's almost the way the politicians do it. So don't, I mean, oh, you know, God, don't be so like frustrating. that. But no, just have confidence <laughs> in the fact that you can control how you answer a question, what you say, what examples or what story or what feelings you're trying to get across. And then this is hard to do, but just accept that, okay, I don't have control over how this is going to be perceived, but I know that in my heart I've done a really good job. That's very powerful to know. Like, don't get sucked into the line of questioning if you don't want to. Just take control and answer it how you wish. And then, I don't know, let go because you can't, you can't control everything. But if you've done the prep, you know the key points, you know what you want to get across, you can take a lot of confidence in that. And so your whole kind of premise of the stuff that you do is about encouraging, especially women, to speak out more and um, talk about, you know, their stories and their experience and stuff. So why is that sort of an area that you're so passionate about and how are you helping more people to do that? You know, it's like obviously is, are there forums that people can speak at? I mean, what would you say to the listeners? Because a lot of my, you know, about 70% of my listeners are females and, you know, many of them have amazing stories, but they're all, you know, often are too shy or to your point, that ego of, oh, like, who wants to listen to me? What what have I got to share with the world? What would you say to those people? Yeah, I love storytelling. I love hearing different stories from, from, from anyone. And we all have a story. And for so long, I think there've been a lot of male voices coming through, a lot of male storylines or theatre news, movies, books, whatever. It's it's certainly a wonderful time for anybody to share their story. So there's a lot of power in in connecting with other people. And you might think that your story is is boring or, you know, who cares? What is this? But by sharing your story and sometimes overcoming those nerves and thinking, I want to get my story out there, you you might be helping so many other women who can relate or feel a, a huge benefit from from hearing that story. You also are helping to write the future. You're helping to write the future history in in a way. I've done some really cool things that my girls don't even know about now. It's sort of almost like my, my previous life before I had kids and, and they don't even know that, whether it's just for myself or whether it's for them or other women. There's just it's, it's important to either get that down in writing or in a diary form or record yourself or find a journalist or connect. It's really wonderful. It's very empowering. And I just encourage everyone to share share your story. You never know who you might be helping by by sharing your story. And if not, you'll feel great about yourself too, I think. Mm. And I think there's, I mean, obviously with podcast mediums, it's really, it is the modern day radio, isn't it? You know, like people can kind of share information and talk about stuff and different topics and people can listen to it at their own time and, you know, in their, in their own space. So whether they're driving or in, you know, the bathroom getting ready in the morning or whatever. So what's your view of, from a journalist background, and obviously I, I want to dig into some of the stories that you've covered. I think that's really interesting as well. But what's your view of the podcast medium in terms of, you know, for, for storytelling and, you know, for people to sort of, you know, reach out and, and progress that more and more, you would have seen a change, I guess, in your career, you know, where things are kind of headed. I love podcasting. So my background's TV, so TV broadcast. Um, so I worked for BBC, Al Jazeera, Channel 7, Sunrise for a long time. And TV's wonderful. I love it, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of production. A lot of cash is involved. It's a beautifully curated kind of space often. So podcasting, I've been doing, I started this podcast during COVID because I just was really lacking connection. I was covering a lot of kind of depressing stories of the war and 
Afghanistan, the Taliban taking over a lot of protests sort of globally. And I just wanted to do something positive and like reconnect. And yeah, the fact that I could do a podcast on my own in this wardrobe where I'm sitting at the moment, this is my wedding dress behind us. It was easy. It was cheap. I mean, I say easy, I'm a journalist and a producer, but it was it was pretty easy to to get my story out there and be able to share it. There's no hair and makeup and it's very, very intimate. I think the fact there's no big intimidating TV cameras and lights, the fact we can do it remotely. I can zoom into you, you can zoom into me or Riverside into each other. Also for mums, parents, like you, you're juggling, you're struggling, you can't drive an hour to a studio and then wait another hour or two hours to film a, a story. With podcasting, you can, you know, we can, we're recording now, we're juggling, we're, you know, and as I said, it's so intimate to be in someone's ears whilst they're going for a walk in the morning or a run or they're driving or they're, yeah, I, I love it. I really love it. What about you? Obviously, you love it. Your podcast is wonderful. I think it's a bit of an equaliser, I guess. That's the thing I found is, is and I think the reason I asked you that question was around your point about, you know, everyone has a story. And so I think it gives an ability and if people do have an interesting story and they think, oh, yeah, I'd like to share that, a podcast is a great medium to get on. So if you can identify a podcast that you think, oh, this could be something that I could share my story with, then pitch yourself to those organisations because we're always looking for, you know, great, interesting people to talk to and that's the best way to get it out there. But I want to dig in a little bit about some of the things that you have covered because you've covered some amazing stories. So what's been one of the most impactful stories that you've covered that had an impact on you personally? Yeah, it's about 20 odd years of being a journo. I mean, I interviewed the Dalai Lama. Well, I produced a story with Koshi. David Kosh interviewed the Dalai Lama, but I produced it and sat there with him and we did the story together. That That's certainly up there. Was he amazing? Was he as holy as you imagine him to be? Yeah, yes, but also quite um, very calming, a very calming presence. I was so intrigued and I really enjoyed it and very generous with, with the questioning and what he gave us. That was, it was a really wonderful experience. And then I think I've done, what else? I think, oh, William and Kate's wedding in the UK. That was fun. To, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, this is really exciting. That would have been so much fun. It was, yeah, incredible to be there for the the pomp and, you know, ceremony and wonderful. And then, um, well, in stark contrast to now be covering the war in Ukraine, it's, oh my God, we've been covering it for a good six months, even before the war started. We were sort of we were monitoring the buildup of military on the borders sort of around Ukraine but beforehand, so we knew something was certainly happening. So this is for Storyful. I, I, I'm an editor, senior editor for Storyful News, and we basically the role is we find really good video, social media video, and we verify it. We make sure it's legit, and then we share that with international news, so Wall Street Journal, BBC, New York Times, all of the Australian media as well. So it's it's... Yeah, in 20-odd years, I don't feel as if I've ever covered a war like this. Being inside it day by day, it's quite confronting, but it's also quite grueling to cover it day after yeah, how, day. How do you no not idea. take that on, Seth? How do you not take that home and, you know, bring it with you? Because I'm such an empath. I'm, I actually don't watch the news because it just brings me down too much. I learned that all through covid probably about myself, that it was just I was getting more and more depressed. I'm thinking, wow, this is not who I am. I couldn't couldn't watch the news anymore. So I just get sort of my top feed, you know, two minutes of 
what's going on, the top headings and anything I want to click through and learn more about. I guess that's probably attention span. Whereas my husband watches all the news everywhere, you know, all around the world. He'll watch everything, you know, at, at length and doesn't take it on like I do. So how, how do you kind of manage that? Yeah. It's really tough. It was certainly a lot easier before COVID and before working from home because you'd finish, you'd go to the pub or you'd you'd catch the train home. You could kind of, you know, Decompress. debrief. Yeah. When now the kids are sort of knocking on my door at 10 to 5, I finish at 5 and walk from my desk at home out and they're like, what's for dinner? I'm like, oh, God. I've... So I've had to, we're returning back to office now, which is helpful. For me, I definitely switch off through exercise. I try to eat like just a walk, just fresh air, getting outside. It's that reconnecting like that bush girl. I just have to get some fresh, fresh air. I also play hockey with some really cool chicks. Bashing the crap out of a ball always helps, Bash right? the hell out of a ball. <laughs> I find boxing uh, is honestly, good. <laughs> oh, God, just And there's no phone. I can't say, yeah, I have to really be very strict with phone because we're staring at screens all day. I mean, so many jobs are doing that now because we're, you know, we're verifying, fact-checking social media videos. So you're on a lot of social media. So how do you do that? That's interesting. You know, it's super cool. I mean, especially, you know, with someone like the previous president, you know, fake news king, like what's a process that you go through? You've got to kind of like a dig and dig and dig and find the source of something. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So across the 20 years, it was all TV, like you'd send a a camera crew to film an event. And then with the rise of phones, with the cost of flying crews into an event, with COVID where you can't even get crews in, in a war, more and more, most of the key videos, a lot of the key videos are filmed on a phone. So newsrooms are so busy. They're trying to cover a story. They've got all these like social media videos. They're trying to work out what's real, what's not. So, yeah, so we're really busy. We work with the newsrooms trying to work it out, what's legit. So for us, it's three key things that we look at. As you said, the source. So we find the person who was holding the phone whilst that video was being filmed. We check them out. We do a bit of digging on them and we get their permission to use the video. And then the two other things we check are the date of the video. So making sure it's not a video that was filmed 10 years ago. Because mm, that happens, doesn't it? It happens Actually, all the time. Well, that's in um, a lot of kind of war photos and stuff where they were using images that were a lot and then that would come out then later on and go, people were using this image and it's actually from a war that happened 10 years ago. Like crazy. We said so that all the time. obviously do not fact check as well as you guys do. <laughs> no, that's right. And then location is the other one. So checking that location, the video. So we use a lot of Google Maps for sort of, geolocating, cross-referencing. It's quite fun. Yeah, a lot of like digital detective work. And then we just encourage everyone, before you share any video, just stop and take a second to think, actually, is this a source? Is this a location? Is this a date? Who sent this to me? Is this real? Because we all want to feel a part of something. We all want to feel like we're trying to help. But if we sometimes just share videos without checking, then it doesn't help the problem. No, it can cause damage. Yeah, fascinating. Must be really interesting work. It's really interesting work and it does help when it comes to trying to switch off and the stress of it. It helps to know that we're trying to make a difference. I have a really good team that I love, so I really connect well with them and we look after each other. You know, We're always looking out to see if anyone needs a break or time off or maybe they want to be chasing the fun baby videos for the day. They've had enough of, the, of war and it's have a break. So it, that definitely helps having a really good team in Australia and also around the world. So that helps. Oh, that's great. 
to finish up then, let's let's come full circle and your whole premise is around people, you know, kind of finding their story and speaking out. So if somebody has never really spoken much before or as you said about Taria Pitt, had how, you know, her dad said, well, you need to do a bit of work and she had to then, you know, craft her story better and potentially get some coaching around speaking. Are there places that people should go or, you know, how can people sort of start, I guess, if they want to um, they think, oh, maybe my story could be a bit interesting, but what do I do to get it out there and talk about it? Yeah, I think the first thing would be to to write it down, write down even like one one page, write down maybe like five key points from your story or from your life that you really want to get across. And then you could work out how you want to get it across, maybe a podcast, maybe you want to, you know, write a story or a private journal, or maybe you want to start a blog. And then three back yourself and try and find other people perhaps who have similar interests or who might be able to help you you might be able to help each other and sort of grow that that community there and there's I mean there's so many wonderful ways to do it whether it's I mean social media podcasting there's Substack which is a a newsletter right for writing newsletters or there's docos or it's all sorts of things but just yeah forget the ego Ignore that horrible Taria Pitt, as she's saying, that horrible Brenda, that that nagging voice. And just have a go, right? I think the thing is that you get better after doing it more and more, don't you? Exactly right. Like I, th- I think of my three-year-old who, I mean, she'll have a go at anything. We don't have to be perfect. Take it slow. It's okay to be a bit mediocre. It's it's fine. Just, um, yeah, have a go. Have some fun and and see where it goes. Yeah, great advice. So Steph, just gorgeous to chat to you today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's just been a delight. I loved it. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.